Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes. It's the Cross the Pond Rural Route Edition. Good afternoon, UK. Good morning, USA. <laughs> That's Andrew Henderson coming in to us from the UK and Kim Bremer joining along. I got myself distracted though. And uh, I didn't even finish the deal, Andrew. We get together, we connect rural and urban every day, Monday through Friday, that is. Kim Bremer joining us, no stranger to our listening audience, Ag Inspirations, Loyal Wisconsin. How's Kim? Uh, I'm great, Trent. I am convinced. Well, about as great as you can be right now. How about that? I am convinced that I am going to get this conversation rolling sit back here and just push buttons for the rest of the time because the two individuals that we that we have today are in the know first of all let me just say we had a great plan andrew and i had a great plan and that was to have a producer from the uk a dairy producer i should say from the uk talking about dumping milk talking about everything happening in today's world and then I said, well, that's great, Andrew. I'll get a, one of the members of a co-op here in the United States, and we'll have all four of us. And first of all, I've always said four is too many on this program to have a conversation. Three is okay. And Kim worked tirelessly, Andrew. I contacted a few people that I knew. I didn't worry about getting somebody lined up because Kim, she knows everybody in the dairy business, particularly in America's Dairyland, Wisconsin. She couldn't get anybody. You couldn't get anybody in the UK. Uh, I'm just thinking, Kim, you first. This is an issue that everybody's kind of like deer in the headlights. They don't know what to do, what to say, and they just don't want to say something that might be construed as wrong. Is that what you see going on? Oh, that's that's absolutely correct, Trent. Plus, it's changing every single moment. Uh, changes from the morning to the afternoon. Uh, but yes, there are a lot of people who represent businesses, co-ops, number of different things who don't necessarily want to go on the air and say the wrong thing or send anyone. And this is, uh, these are tough times for everyone. Andrew, no different in the UK. 100% the same. In fact, um, the person that uh, wanted to come on uh, to try and talk about this he hasn't shied away. He's actually in a conference call right at this moment with our government. But I think what we're what we're alluding to here, unfortunately, is that word politics. And um, for absolutely sure, there is huge politics going on in our dairy industry right this moment. And um, from looking at some of the articles I can see coming out of the USA, I think you're facing the same uh, dilemmas which, um, well, in my opinion, could end up being huge uh, news stories and very detrimental to both uh, sides of the Atlantic in terms of uh, food being available for the general public to consume. I think there's some huge issues at, at play here and that medium to long term could be an absolute disaster. Uh, Andrew, just to qualify something, you said this is the second person you had lined up. He is willing yep. and ready. But the first person did what Kim and I were talking about. He, he bowed yep. out, respectfully yep. bowed out, because he just didn't know. Well, not only did he not know, it, this particular farmer has had to dump his milk for the first time and, um, in a hundred years of the of the uh, of having a family, you know, his family running a farm in the UK. 
and it, he, he's distraught um, because also the the dairy that um, he supplies are telling the farmers that to dump the milk and they're not going to get anything for it. But also for what milk they have taken from the 1st of February, they're not going to get paid until the middle of May. And so we've got some huge issues starting to arise here. Um, our food service industry, I don't know what, I'm, I'm assuming, Kim, do you, do you call it the same when the people that supply the schools, the the, um, yeah. the, the coffee shops, etc.? It's down 70% this week. Um, I suppose the only thing that is uh, left for the food service industry is care homes and um, and also hospitals. The rest of those facilities that would normally have, you know, hotels, restaurants, food chains, um, offices, they are all not having their, their, their deliveries of, of basic food requirements. We have the same thing. Uh, the food service sector is really what has hit the dairy industry. A third of our milk goes to food service. And, I mean, milk in the U.S., we're talking 210 billion pounds a year. So a third of that uh, goes to food service. And our food service is down 60%. So very similar story, Andrew and um, and then what to do with that and how do we get it where it needs to go? You know, we were talking before we started on the break, America's Dairyland. Uh, last week reports were somewhere around 100 tanker loads of milk were getting dumped around the state. In fact, my uh, UW extension today is having a webinar on what the best thing is to do for the environment in during milk disposal. Where do you put it? How does it fit into your nutrient management plan? What's the best way to handle it? Well, it's a very good point. I mean, we're actually seeing some um, milk being dumped at uh, anaerobic um, digesters' doors to be utilized in that way. And I understand that the, the milk's got a value of about 10 US cents for that and uh, and, th- and about 35, 40 US cents for cream. But my goodness, what a terrible waste of a product that... You know, there are elderly at home now that will be finding it very, very difficult to access um, calcium, potassium and various essential nutrients if they can't have it through their fresh dairy requirements. And, um, you know, I think that the, the, the end of this is quite a big, a significant problem for uh, the governments of both both sides of the Atlantic, because we might not be able to be getting the nutrients to those that really need them to balance their immune systems at this time. And that has been our largest discussion, is how to get milk to the people who need it most. Uh, We saw last week Jeff Bezos, uh, Amazon, he donated $100 million to food banks. Uh, We heard from the CEO of Feeding America that they need about $1.6 billion in resources over the next six months because they expect that their need on the shelf is going to go up 47 or 48%. And yet we have empty shelves. That's really the outrage that's coming from our dairy industry today is it's not even about price yet, Andrew, because fortunately uh, our farmers are still getting decent milk checks. We haven't been paid for March milk yet, and that's when – the price started going down. Uh, so milk checks so far that farmers have been receiving aren't even the bad ones yet. We're not going to see those uh, for we're six weeks out from a bad milk check. But what we are seeing is all the milk that's getting dumped. We're seeing empty grocery store shelves. Uh, 
Uh, and the outrage, uh, it builds every day. And what are we going to do about it? Uh, I want to ask a question before we go any farther because I I understand there's a a functionality issue, but 100 tanker loads of milk dumped in Wisconsin in the last week. Uh, And now we're trying to figure out where to dump that properly. I know that there is a tremendous soil amendment property if milk is applied to just simply put on the the land like a fertilizer that's going to grow crops. I assume it comes back to how do you functionally get the milk from the dairy to the farm and make all of that happen. But it just seems like there's still some value there that we should be capturing somewhere, Kim. Is anybody talking about that? Or are we just so in reactionary mode that we haven't had a thought to think about things like that? Well, I think it's a little bit of both, Trent. We are in, always in reactionary mode. That's just kind of the nature of our business, it seems, uh, most of the time. Uh, but you have the regulatory framework around that as well. So the farms that are dumping milk uh, tend to be larger farms because mm-hmm. we're going for tanker loads, uh, direct haul type places. Uh, they have a nutrient management plan and a permit with the DNR. So you cannot make altercation, like you can't alter your permit without this lengthy process, which part of it has been waived. Uh, Normally, if you're going to alter your permit, you have to give a 14-day public notice. Uh, So that's been waived. But there's still the rules and regulations on disposal of waste on a permitted farm, which is the majority of who we're talking about here. They're so uh, tightly regulated. It's not that easy. And that's the same in the UK. In fact, um, you know, Used used in the wrong way, uh, fresh milk um, can be an absolute, it can terrorise watercourses. We're a very small island, as you know, and, um, you know, you've got fish stocks and all sorts of issues to do with um, uh, how it could pollute the watercourses if it's not handled in the right way, Trent. There's some real, mm. it's not that easy to just dispose of milk on the land. Um mm. You can pick it up right there, Mr. UK, when we return with the second segment of Roll Route. Cam Bremer, Andrew Henderson, I'm Trent Loose. More after this. Right off the bat, let's talk about Piedmontese cattle and the myostatin gene that comes with two copies to make the beef tender. You get the advantage by getting rewarded for value-added beef production. Certified Piedmontese might be in your future if you think it's a fit for you. Go to the website, LoneCreekCattleCode.com. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Luce alongside Andrew Henderson coming to us from the UK. Cam Bremer from the other part of the UK, a little bit mm-hmm. east of Cheddar. Hey, Andrew. Yeah. You, you will not believe this story. After all of the discussion you and I have had this week about Cheddar. Yep. Our oldest, Libby Luce, acquired a new puppy this week. Guess what the name of that dog is? Uh, What? Is it your daughter's named it or was it named prior to that? Cheddar. It was Kim wins the prize. It was named when she got it, Cheddar. Wow. That's a good name. Is that a violation of the cheddar cheese rules that this dog came from Texas? It didn't actually come from cheddar, England. 
Well, it could be an American ambassador for the product in the future. <laughs> um, and what breed of dog is it as well? Because they, wh- wh- where's the, wh- wh- what is the dog? A Labrador? What did you say? I said it, I did not say, but it's a corgi. It's a corgi. Oh well, there you go. It's a British dog. So it's called Cheddar. <laughs> actually, actually, I just want to say this, and 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 I hope you don't mind me saying this. That a lot of us. Um, uh, in the UK at the moment, are extremely concerned about our Prime Minister, who last night went into intensive care, as I'm sure you know. We have heard nonstop about that, by the way. Okay, well, there's some good news, because it's just come out 10 minutes ago that um, he is he has not gone on a ventilator. He's uh, up, um, he's, he's still in intensive care as a precaution, but he's he's not had to go on a ventilator, and he is he's conscious, which is a really good thing. Now, Every day, there's a, a friend of mine sends me a saying, uh, to, to, to a positive statement for, for me to sort of think about during the day. And I want to read out what today's was. Okay. And, and then ask you if, you if you know who said this. Okay. You just can't. Winston be- Churchill. No. <laughs> no. Not was, even close. I was guessing. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm, okay, I'm listening now. You just can't beat. The person who never gives up. And I thought that was a very apt quote for today. It is a very apt quote, but I don't know who said that. Donald Trump. I, I would guess because of where I live, Vince Lombardi. Oh, oh yeah. No. Nice. Well, well, who Now, tell me, what did he do? I'm, I'm going to be ignorant here. What did Vince Lombardi do? It's all right, Andrew. He's a very uh, famous coach of the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Is he? Okay. Well, the per- it's close because it actually is probably, well, your most famous ba- baseball player, ba- Babe Ruth. Oh, nice. Ah. So, and and at the moment, I mean, everybody that, even if the, if the, uh, if the, uh, if our prime minister didn't beat the virus um, with his own human exploits, he's certainly starting to beat it we think in in our country because we have started to see our death rate fall and our contamination rate fall and but it is affecting the dairy industry in a huge way because part of the reason why we're having to dump milk is purely because of social distancing i don't know whether that's happened with you kim is that something that's happening in wisconsin no ours is really not due to social i mean it's not due to social distancing ours is just a logistical nightmare for processing, packaging, distribution. That part of our supply chain uh, is so difficult to change, adjust, move kind of a thing. I mean, it's it's getting the milk processed into something we can use. Plus, at the end of the day, we're, we're what we call, you know, long on milk. For what we're able to sell right now, we're somewhere between 10 and 15% long is too much. Same, but... I think if we all thought about this, um, now might be a good time to put milk into powder because you would think that um, there is going to be food shortages of some of the key nutrients for more than a few months now. And it may well ha- have be important for more than a few months worldwide to have um, really high uh, nutritional food available in the future because – I would have thought, if you think about this, that the reason why we're dumping milk is if I go to my local dairy, which is Clifton Dairies, that's where we make my branded milk, he's having to double shift 
to produce the same amount of milk he would normally do in one shift because of social distancing. And so the, what's happening is that the, uh, the packaging line on, on fresh milk is, is working at half capacity purely because you can't stand everybody next to each other to uh, properly run the processing uh, um, system. Now, I know that a lot of the big processors are much more mechanized than that, and that's what's giving them a big advantage in the marketplace. But all the small uh, rural processors that we've got for cheese and various other, uh, um, I would call them new, not niche products, but the, you know, the real historic products, they're finding it difficult to manufacture enough uh, product because of the social distancing regulations. So I'll interject here that we're just starting to feel the implications of that, Andrew, not just in dairy, but in all food processing. Because yesterday we had the first pork plant, Columbus Junction, Iowa, a Tyson plant, completely shut down, announced that they're going to shut down for a week. Uh, the reason they're shutting down is that they do not have enough people showing up to work in the plant. A report I read early this morning said that 50% of all beef plant workers, I should say all beef and pork plant workers, did not come to work. I live 50 miles from one of those plants, and uh, they were, last week already, offering people time and a half, and the workers were saying, if we do not get hazard pay, we're not coming. And so yeah. that that is the, the quandary at this point, and that's not going to be fixed by, like, tomorrow, is these plants are going to shut down because they simply don't have anybody showing up to work them. Yeah. 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 I I agree. We're just on the cusp, just starting to see that. Thankfully, you know, we don't have farms that have been hit yet. We still have workers showing up to to work on the farm, and we're just starting to see the beginning of it. I would say, Trent, just like beef yeah, and pork. I agree. Well, you know, I'm I've always believed in. We've got to look at the opportunities that problems present. This is a huge global problem but perhaps Trent this is going to um, be a good point to start talking about the opportunities that it presents to both sides of uh, of the Atlantic um, I would have thought and I've been to Wisconsin Kim and I think having a discussion with you is very positive at the moment because we ought to think about how we can um, uh, make this right in the future in terms of putting a, 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 a base in our industry, both sides of the Atlantic, and then being able to sell the, the positive uh, elements of both our industries in the future. Because if you look at this, I do believe there's going to be a global shortage of, of energy and protein and nutrition. And um, what we're trying to do is um, Phil Langslow, who, who was going to come on the show uh, at the last minute, was telling me that he's trying to pressurize our government to put an intervention price into milk powder so that our non-aligned farmers, we have a two-tiered dairy industry here, Kim, where some people, some farmers, about 60% are very fortunate because they're aligned to the two processors that supply all of the of the supermarkets and, and hard discounters in the UK. And those are both European-owned, believe it or not. We, we don't have any large processors with any real um, authority in retail all of our our uh, british uh, processors that are left are in are sadly in this food service uh, part of the of the uh, equation andrew i want to interrupt you just for uh, interpretation just so the listeners and kim understand when you talk about european you exclude the uk british owned is different than europe 
Andrew yeah. does not understand that Britain or the UK is in Europe. He he, he refuses to acknowledge that. Just so you know, Kim. <laughs> Got it. Well, on, um, it as from the end of um, uh, this year, we will no longer be part of the European. We will still be in Europe, but we won't be in this um, uh, protect this club that we decided to leave. Um, and I don't mind. Being, I don't mind being political about that because that's very, very um, political news at the moment. The, the two uh, processors, um, are, one of them is a, a German processor and the other one is a Danish farmer cooperative with 13,000 farms, of which 2,000 of those farms are British. Now, um, so there are British farmers within one of those cooperatives and they are doing very, very well at the minute because they have 100%, virtually 100% of the liquid market in the UK, apart from a very small um, bottling uh, uh, doorstep uh, business that still exists. But at the moment, they are making real hay while the sun shines. That's, Huge. That's Andrew Henderson, the champion of Brexit. Kim Bremer, the champion of Wisconsin Dairy. We'll take a break. We'll come back with the second half of a rural route across the pond right after this. The Nutrition Coalition continues to fight for the science and the need for rigorous science in establishing our dietary guidelines. Folks, we're not getting that. We have more vulnerabilities today because of the federal government and their flawed dietary recommendations. Food service, through institutional nutrition, people are vulnerable. We need to engage. Go to nutritioncoalition.us and get involved in prevailing science about health and well-being. Welcome back to Rural Route, Trent Luce, alongside Andrew Henderson from the UK with Ashley there, just waiting on him hand and foot. My goodness. Kim Bremer, always a valued guest, but Kim, I've established that there is a new super value to having you on the program. Would you like to know what that is? Okay. What, what is that, Trent? Andrew's very... Uh, crude and ruthless to me when you're not here obviously today he's trying to impress you so he's trying to be very gentlemanly to me and so it's all about protecting my uh fragile feelings oh well it's nice to know that chivalry is not dead <laughs> that was very well put him. but don't worry, but don't worry. I'll, I'll soon sort him out with the rest of the time. don't worry <laughs> By the way, I still have uh, my wife. Still has. I still haven't found my wife um, since she. <laughs> you know, Andrew. You know what he did, Kim? He believed me. I told him he's so he's got four dogs. You heard one of them chirping in the background earlier, probably. Anyway, he's got four dogs in the house and a beautiful wife. And I said, while I was there, I was like, Andrew, I think you really should find out who who the true love is in your in your life. Put all four dogs in a closet. Put your wife in a closet. And when you come home, see which one of them is happy to see you. She ran away. And he didn't believe it? She ran away. <laughs> you could not get away with that in the UK, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway. All right. Um, so, so back to the issue at hand. Uh, I find it, and Kim, I think you would agree with me. Absolutely mesmerizing 
how exactly parallel the challenges in UK agriculture and farm life are to the US. Kim, are you hearing that? Yes, I am. I see that as a great opportunity though. That 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 discussion we had last week with the brewery as well uh, because obviously um it takes crops to produce beer. I think that the parallels and the uh, um, the synergy there is actually something we should explore more in the coming weeks because I think it could be the bedrock of a real a real future um, joint approach to trading with the rest of the world. And I think I, I don't think that's a, a, a pipe dream. Um, when I went to Wisconsin, I thought um, I went to the, uh, the the dairy ag there, and I, I did think when I was there that there is a lot of, a real I'd, I'd love our dairy industry to be as united as yours is perceived to be in Wisconsin. I'm not talking about the rest of America. I've been to other states as well. But to actually focus on a dairy land, I think, is brilliant. And I think we could learn a lot from that. But also, I think here we've got diversity and some real tradition in products that we could share. And I think that could be really positive for both sides of the Atlantic. But I'll interject there, Kim that Andrew is as thick-headed as a German, I being German, he being Scottish, in that I proposed that we do this joint venture radio project every week in May of 2019, and it wasn't until March of 2020 that he saw some value in it. All of a sudden now, he's the proprietor of joint projects. That's the kind of guy he is, Kim. <laughs> well... Sometimes you have to get on the back of the guy that's going to take you where you want to go. (laughs) As long as he's got a good big hat to hold on to, I'm there. (laughs) You haven't seen Kim's hat yet. Go, Kim. Go. No, I'm just, I'm listening. I agree. I think there are great opportunities. I think our great opportunities and our biggest challenges lie in the same arena. Mm. And it's in the political helm of all of this. Yeah, I do too. And there's there's a lot of there's a lot of decisions that get made, uh, especially you know in companies and organizations that represent farmers and cooperatives that uh, they may say that they are farmer owned, uh, which is great and true. But I, I think our our greatest opportunity lies in making sure that we keep the executive uh, what am I trying to think of here like the executive committees of our large organizations connected at the farm level and that's that's a challenge to do I'm not saying that in terms of pointing fingers at people saying you know well you're you're just not connected to a farmer Uh, it's difficult for them to do because of the world that they live in and you know, it became very apparent to me this year when I went to IDFA, the International Dairy Foods Association. And uh, I was, at most of the time while I was at that meeting, I wasn't sure if I wanted to cry or punch someone. Or, and these are, these are ag friendlies, yet it never feels like they're very connected to the farm. And yet a lot of decisions at larger companies are made in executive boardrooms and farmers who sit on boards are not necessarily, they don't have the biggest voice in those places. And I challenge all of them 
to make sure or look at what they're doing and how they're making sure that farmers' voices are represented. Because just having farmers sit on a board to say that they represent you is not good enough. And I think we really have to, you know, Trent and I, we talk all the time bridging that gap between consumers and farmers. As, as the number of farmers continues to dwindle, we need to make sure that farmers' voices are also heard in boardrooms of the companies that represent them. Absolutely. And that's exactly the same here in the UK. In fact, that's what it, that's why it took me over a year to decide whether it, we could make a difference by doing this. And I'm now convinced we can because it is, you know, there's a young lady, um, I, I can't say her, her surname, but I will tell you her first name, who tweeted this week. She's a dairy farmer. Um, and she runs her fa- she now runs her father's dairy herd in Cheshire here. And she tweeted because she found that um, one of the leading retailers was actually selling Polish beef uh, during this um, uh, coronavirus crisis when she knew that we had a lot of beef that was available uh, for consumption. Now, the reason I tell you that story is that within the young farmers of uh, of the, the UK, that that um, that statement and that picture went viral. And our, and the people that you've just described, and I don't mind saying this, that that sit on these committees for the the, the boards of these um, uh, farmer cooperatives, if you, as you put it, they got really offended by the fact that a young farmer had taken um, taken to the social media to, to to say that story. It sort of stopped a lot of of the um, come out with with regards to um, uh, how they think that farming is being looked after by these large organisations. And what I want to see, like you, is I want to see real farmers engaging real with these companies and with the um, and with the consumer at large, because the farmer can deliver a fantastic, sustainable, um, and beautiful environment for us all to live in. But I feel, like you, that they've never really had the voice within those organisations, and that's happening in our farmers' union as well. It's more to do with political aspiration than the aspirations of farmers and i think that's where we can make a difference if we can get the young farmers to engage i can't tell you how thank you for creating my need to edit this program andrew i I appreciate that um anyway uh, i i can't think about the number of times that i've had discussions with people who are representing the farmer's interest in the political system and something so completely viral viral is not the right word toxic toxic to what is beneficial to the future of the farm and somebody in the political arena will tell me representing farmers it's just not something we want to expend our political capital on i mean a case in point here's the perfect case in point in our school system part of that food service you cannot serve whole full fat milk andrew it is it's a violation of the regulation. And instead of taking the science that says that children should start the morning with full fat whole milk, we've had people decide that it's not worth the political capital to fight that. How can you do that? Well, dairy you And it's not just dairy by the way. I'm not just talking dairy because it's happened with beef. It happens across the board. We by the way this week, we you want to talk about dumping milk and it's horrible that we're dunking, dumping 100 tankers of milk in Wisconsin alone, we put pork belly 
into dog food this week instead of making bacon with it. Now, there is the ultimate sin. Trent, I'm glad you brought that up. I picked up some meat yesterday from my favorite little place. Yes. They're literally throwing their pork bellies away. I know. Why? My goodness. Bacon? It it really is. A, a strange world we're living in when you're hearing things like that. It really is. I mean, and 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 luckily, one of my business partners in my my uh, our milk adventure uh, trend, because as you know, I have my own milk brand, is a doctor. And actually, to be fair, in the UK, the medical profession is starting to move very clearly in our direction with regards to the benefits of milk and meat and dairy produce and 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 all animal produce actually, and the, and, and the value of a balanced diet. I think we're all coming back to the understanding that we are omnivores, we're not herbivores, we're not vegans, we are omnivores and we eat both meat and we eat vegetables as well. And farmers produce both and in, in moderation, that's how you keep healthy and you keep uh, your immune system as high as it can possibly be. It's pretty common sense, frankly, and... Um, Let's hope that the world starts to um, reason that properly and and take that forward because that's what we need to do. Kim, thirty seconds. Oh well, are you kidding? I don't really have much to add oh, to that. Except okay, well, that I, I would agree. I would totally agree. I just want to ask one thing: this is a small butcher shop that's throwing pork bellies away. Why? I don't have anywhere for them to go. Gee, that's just insane. People can't get enough bacon and we're we're putting pork bellies in the trash and then dog food explain that to me cheddar the dog is reaping the rewards of covid19 moral of the story we'll take a break we'll be back with the last segment of roll route kim bremer andrew henderson after this I'm going to come back to the certified Piedmontese message. Lone Creek Cattle Company will have a bull sale. It's a Piedmontese bull sale. There will be Lone Creek Cattle Co. females offered in that sale. It was scheduled for April 18th. It is going to take place at a later date as we move into a different structure. I clearly believe, and that's the theme of what Kim and Andrew and I are talking about today, there will be a different structure we need to reevaluate. The cattle, the pigs, the chickens, the milk that we produce. And if you're looking for a niche opportunity that currently runs about 20,000 head through the program in one year and seeking 50,000 head, I fully endorse, because we do it ourselves, the Certified Piedmontese Program, capitalizing on connecting the farm to the fork, literally. Work with an outfit that sells directly to the consumer, and you get paid a premium of $180 above normal market prices. Details at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Welcome back to Rural Route. Trent Luce alongside Kim Bremer, always my buddy, my pal. Andrew Henderson, finally a year later, warming up to me. We met about eight years ago, Kim. Took him the last year to figure out what we really had, which is sad he's that slow. It's a it's a British thing. We 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 take time to choose our friends, and then when we when we run when we run out of potential, we go to the lowest denomination. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so let's let's start the last segment instead of talking about everything that's wrong 
Let's let's start looking at where Andrew uh, led us there in the last segment, and we've seen in China as well, as the authorities are stopped. They they've somewhat taken a pause to be politically correct and not tell people about drinking whole milk, about not eating as much meat. The silver lining in this storm, and I honestly believe this, that we will get back to a better understanding of everything Andrew described in that last segment, common sense, eating a moderate amount of all food groups, which we ultimately needed globally at this point in time. How, who knows how quick this could happen, Andrew, but what do we need to do to make sure that we take this to the next level in that people stop hiding the true science about proper nutrition and you're in a great position because someone that's that needs help now and going to need help very soon is the elderly who struggle at getting access to enough quality protein and fat to maintain a healthy living so what do we need to do solutions in in segment four here what do we do well tim if i lead this up i would be very surprised if you don't agree with this and then you can take on when i look at the diet of a dairy cow I have to look at how much protein it needs, how much energy, how much fiber, how much undegradable protein, how much rumen-degradable protein. And they are are very, very – we are very lucky that we've been trained to be able to to look at all those nutrient requirements of a dairy cow. Now, the opportunity, I think, is for us to do exactly the same thing with human nutrition and and look at the – products that you produce in the USA, um, for example, you've got very high selenium levels in your soil in certain states. That's very important for people's immune systems. So there must be products and dairy and from all aspects of your agriculture that we could use to help balance that side of the equation. Similarly here, we've got things that are very high in potassium or very high in, in vitamin D. We can look at be, be, being able to Provide that balance you've just said together in food choices, simple food choices that go together. And it might be cheese and beef or or, or fish and certainly even wine. We can bring these great foods together to provide that balance in the future. Yeah, I I can, of course, agree. Uh, Our cows eat better than we do. Yeah. I think we're getting, my hope is that more people eating at home, cooking at home, are kind of rediscovering dairy, if there is such a thing. I mean, we know that people until now have spent more money on full service and fast food than what they had at the grocery store. And this pandemic has caused a shift in that. Yes. I mean, obviously, we're spending more at the grocery store now than in restaurants. And maybe, you know, just going back to cooking in kitchens and rediscovering dairy, I'm hopeful for all of that. Uh, I'm hoping maybe that your optimism in the science of nutrition uh, rubs off on me. I, I struggle with that just because there's so many forces against it that, I mean, we still are fighting the, with the Nutrition Coalition to bring good fats back, saturated fat from ruminants, whole milk. I mean, we have, we have not been able to get whole milk back in schools for years, Trent. So I'm more hopeful that it will be consumer-driven than regulatory-driven, but I will still, um, 
I can still get on board, Andrew. I can still be hopeful that nutrition guidelines will change and shift and get back to more science. I, I, I would um, just, you, you mentioned there about, again, whole milk um, at school. Um, my business partner is a doctor and he, he runs 500 uh, general practitioners here in the northwest of England. And um, he is the same as you. He was really, really upset when he realized how much semi-skim milk or 2%, as you call it, was being uh, uh, used in schools rather than whole milk. And what he did was design a, a, a really good graph showing what sort of milk you should have at what stage of life, depending on your eating or drinking habits. And um, it was interesting that there is a time um, uh, that, that if you want to drink more milk than, 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 than the, the required portion size, if you like, where drinking 2% might be the right thing to do. You know, instead of having a, a small cup of coffee, you're using you're having these extra large cups of coffee, so you're having twice as much milk. So 2%, uh, you know, when you're 15 and plus age group, might be the right thing to do. So he, he sort of showed a way of using all the different milks through your life. But the one thing that was interesting is you start on full milk, and you should definitely end on full milk because you, you're less able to absorb food when you're in your, in your late 70s. And you need vitamin, uh, you need calcium, you need vitamin D, uh, B3, you need, and you need all those building blocks that you needed when you were born to maintain your health when you're old. And that is the opportunity that coronavirus might be giving us, because I do believe that China has seen that. I know that China can be a, a difficult word to pronounce at the moment, but China has realized that dairy is, is a really good bedrock for people's immune systems. Uh, and first of all, Andrew, there's no science that says that if you're drinking too much milk, you should do lower fat because the the benefit of the CLA and the conjugated linoleic acid that comes from whole milk over 2% always outweighs drinking 2%. But the bigger point that I wanted to make, we can't even serve 2% in our school systems. It needs to be lower than 2%. Goodness me. Well, I don't know what to say, and I bow to your better knowledge on that subject um i, I would say that um we have a, a an issue here where um two percent has been the milk that the majority consume now but we have to move that and i, I know that in the the care home sector because i'm involved in that we are moving people back to whole readily now and that's a really good sign and hopefully that'll happen with the children as well in in, in your in your country Kim, I have to say, just to, to spur that, I don't see any discussion here about how do we fix the elderly nutrition. I mean, you and I are engaged in nutrition discussions about the kids. Do you hear anybody talking about doing a better job with elderly nutrition? No, no never. We never – it's never a discussion that's in very many of our arenas at all. I just – until – Andrew and I started having it. I never heard anybody talking about it here. And how unfortunate is that? That's astonishing. I mean, if you can keep your elderly more healthy, it's going to reduce the the, 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 the government's bearing cost when people get ill. A healthy person's much cheaper to look after than somebody who's, who's sick. And so the longer you can pe keep people healthy through nutrition, I mean, Food is tomorrow's new medicine, and that's what I think will drive this. Um, you know, keeping people healthy through food 
it's much cheaper than keeping people healthy through a doctor. To that point, Andrew, I can show you. In fact, I have to write my column today, and that's what I'm going to write about, is that I can show you science that says as people age, they should revert back to, you're going to love this, the uh, protein and fat consumption that they had as an adolescent. And instead, what does everybody do? Everybody says, well, I'm not as active as I used to be, so I don't need as much protein and fat. That creates vulnerabilities. And if coronavirus is not teaching us anything else, as you age, nutrition is more important than ever. And that's a discussion that we have not been having. Their absorption, my mum's 84, and her absorption of food, she's always looked after her body weight, but we're now struggling to keep um, weight on her. And no matter what she eats, and she does eat very, very well, it's her absorption that reduces. And actually, uh, people above the age of 78, the, one of the biggest um, uh, difficulties in the care sector is that 30% of those over that age group are struggling to maintain weight. And when they lose weight, that's when they tend to get dehydrated. And when people are sort of admitted to hospital with dehydration in the United Kingdom, 50% of them do not come out of hospital. Wow. So think about the cost of that. Kim, we're in the final two minutes. What do we need to address that we've not talked enough about? Uh, well, I mean, just to just to dovetail on that, if we can get uh, our, as many farmers as possible to survive this, because really we are at that time. It's who's going to come out of COVID-19 still able to have a functional business. Yeah. There will be great opportunities. Uh, I totally agree with Andrew that there's there will be global shortages of energy and protein, and and our farmers provide all of that. So on the other side of this, I think it's there's great opportunities for sure. Uh, I know that our farmers are going to get some some relief today. There's going to be some announcements coming out with another package, uh, Corona bill type thing as far as uh, some some helpful dollars to try and make it to the end of this pandemic. But there are great opportunities. And, you know, another positive note that we did not get a great chance to talk about today is we are seeing other good things come out of this. There's been a lot of big donations, even small donations, coming from the most unlikely places. Uh, if you can look around most communities in Wisconsin and the local FFA chapter and donating to local families. They're buying up milk and our county, a lot of counties in Wisconsin have dairy promotion committees. They're buying up milk and cheese and donating it to local food banks, to school districts to hand out at all the drop-off points for the kids. You have big companies, big cheese companies, Sargento, they donated 10,000 pounds of cheese to the Hunger Task Force and the Sheboygan Food Bank that's local to their area. So we are seeing, you know, a great side of humanity that's being yeah. shown too. We, we have that happening here in in Tuss as well. It, and that's fantastic. And there is going to be, uh, there is very positive things coming out of this. I agree. That'll do it. We have successfully journeyed down the road connecting Rural, urban, and across the bond, across the pond, UK, US relations. Andrew Henderson, Ken Bremer, I'm Trent Lewis. All of us remind you that all roads do lead to a roll route. 
One last quick reminder, Exarban Stock Show 2020, the last weekend of September, Grand Island, Nebraska. We've got all 20 of the Pig Challenge young people lined up. We could still use a handful of sponsors. That means that you contribute $250 to the project for a young person. If you're interested in that or any other avenue of the Exarban Stock Show, go to ExarbanStockShow.com. Have a great evening. See you tomorrow.